Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast. Follow us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod. And of course, over on Facebook as well. Give us a like. And if you don't mind, and if you're watching these video podcasts, take a second and do us a couple of things. Subscribe to the channel. Click that post notification bell so you never miss when we post any type of content, not just the weekly episode. And uh, share the links with your buddies and fellow herd fans so we can continue to grow the show and get this out to more and more folks. It only helps everybody, Russ. Uh, it was a busy week in herd athletics, and we're going to cover as much of it as we can. We got a lot more coming up this week as well. We're going to try to get you guys um, a basketball season preview as soon as we can. We don't want to get into regular games, of course, without having that done. But there's just too much uh, information right now to try to squeeze it into this this particular episode. We've got a lot to talk about, so let's get into it. Let's get us a quick word from our sponsors at 304carwreck.com. If you've been injured in a car wreck, visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on Facebook. What happens when an Ohio driver crashes into a West Virginia driver in Kentucky? That can be a mess. But if you can dream it up, Jason and Matt have probably been there, done that, and gotten their clients paid. Don't fight the insurance companies alone. Contact Jason and Matt at 304carwreck.com. Okay, Russ, we've got a lot to cover and not a lot of time to do it. So let's kick it off. Give me five things that every, th- every herd fan needs to know this week. As usual, these are brought to you by IgniteLink, the Tri-State's premier IT management team. Number one, historical finishes and records for cross-country in the Sunbelt Conference Championships. I've got a little bit of the rundown here, but uh, both the men and women finished fourth overall. It was the first time ever uh, that the women had scored that high, finished that high, and the men finished that high for the first time since 2010. Yeah, I saw those tweets, and um, I guess you really never know how like the trajectory of teams like this are going to go until it's time to run, and you know yeah. what you run that day. I mean, for weeks we've talked about Times getting set, personal best being set, and it looked like they were trending into peaking at the right time. So to have that actually happen is pretty cool because uh, these were four fourth place overall finishes by both programs. That's that's big time stuff, especially when you talk about areas uh, that these areas that don't occur very often. What was it? Twelve years for the men and never for the women. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that you mentioned, how you never know how these are going to go. It's very dependent on the weather conditions yep. for the day. I mean, wind is, you know, the wind in your face is at your back, that sort of thing. So just one of the things that we want to mention, go figure Abby Herring is going to be mentioned <laughs> in this, right? Every yeah. time we talk about cross country, uh, she finished fourth overall individually. Um, and that was in the 5K. And it says in a season full, which we know of personal and school records being broken, the Parkersburg native became the first woman in program history to break the 17-minute mark in the 5K. She was at 1656.2. Jeez. 
I mean, what yeah. what a special season for Ab, man. That, I don't know that I drive that fast. I <laughs> <laughs> darn sure don't run that fast. I don't I don't run that fast. I can tell you that. So look, before I don't know if you've got more to on this, but before you move to the second thing, I need to and, and I don't know if you have this written down or not, but we've got to talk about it because I saw it. How about the coach? How about Caleb Bowen and his time that he put out there in the hundred mile run? Uh, 100 miles <laughs> yeah not yards not meters no 100, 100 miles 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 12 hours 40 minutes 22 seconds first overall in his age group in north america i think it said the universe but maybe <laughs> i was wrong <laughs> man it's insane not only are you going to run 100 miles but you're going to do it uh non-stop for half a day more than half a day my lord um, I'm trying I'm trying to think now I know during high school basketball I ran a lot we we ran to in the off season you know to prepare uh but we also our coach was notorious to try to weed people out he would just put 45 minutes on the clock or 48 something like that and say run and you would just run that <laughs> entire time so uh I know that I've ran 100 miles in my life yeah. But it's probably not much more than that. Yeah. This guy ran it a hundred. Our coach ran a hundred consecutively. Wow. In one Major clip. Props. Yeah. In one clip. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. did the majority of my running 90 feet at a time, you know, like most baseball players, but I can't fathom like that doesn't even enter into my skull running a hundred miles like in a consecutive distance. I'm at the age, man, in the physical capacity where when I drive a hundred miles and I get out, like I'm, I'm like, uh, you know, with my back and trying to stretch my hamstrings out and everything's tight and hurting and everything. This dude ran a yeah. hundred miles. Yeah. That's amazing. But, but no, I'm not moving on. I just wanted to say that, uh, uh, senior Sydney Smith, uh, got third, uh, or solidified the third spot for the herd, I guess, in that spot. Uh, specific event the 5k uh finishing 20th with an 18 minutes 11 seconds uh and that was a 20 second personal record and there's just many more people here that uh got in the in the top five and they set personal records and again it's just overall badass what these people did going down there men and women setting personal records uh all-time historic finishes Major, major props to uh, to our cross country. Yeah, I guess all the results will be listed on Herd Zone. So if you're interested in seeing just how well this did this program did as a whole, I recommend that you go find that article, click that link, and check it out. But this is this is neat. This is one of those neat things, man. It, it it's um it's nice to have sports and programs that we um haven't really celebrated that much to give an opportunity to see them rise and we get an opportunity to throw some shine on them for not just this week it's been all year long i mean and even a little bit into last year if you'll remember when we did the track and field like the uh championships yeah uh, we had some really high performers then and now it's bleeding over into the cross-country season and it's just it's just cool man this is just cool and before we move on in that article as well, it will tell you about who got all conference. Abby got it for the third time, that sort of thing. So major accolades, go there, read it up on it. Uh, you'll, you'll be proud of our herd athletes. Yeah, definitely. 
Number two, women's soccer makes the conference championships. Now, it was looking sketchy there. They had a rough patch uh, early to mid-season. They ended up, I don't want to say squeaking in, but they did have to wait to see who won, who lost on the last day. Uh, And they made it. And we're recording here early on Monday, but they play late tonight at uh, 5 p.m. They face App State. So uh, anyone wants to watch that on ESPN+, Plus? They're in the conference championships. It's our first real like uh, team sport, I guess you would say that I can recall in the Sun Belt that's uh, that's uh, finishing their season. So give them a watch, cheer them on. Yeah, unfortunately, by the time this episode goes up, gets edited, edited and posted, it's that game's probably going to have already happened. So yeah. we're just hoping that we get to talk about maybe the next game because mm-hmm. we're going to try to do it. I don't know how this tournament format works. Like you play consecutive days. As long as you win, you play the next day. I don't know how this works. I haven't looked at the bracket or whatever. But uh, it's unfortunate. We're going to try to do another episode later in the week if we can, if we can find the time to do something for basketball. If not, it'll be maybe next week. But uh, if we get to do that and they're still playing, we'll talk about it. But unfortunately, we may – they may just fall in the gap between postings of episodes and this whole tournament gets played without us being able to, you know, properly prepare folks for that. But good luck anyway, you know, good luck yeah. nonetheless. Definitely going to be cheering them on like we cheer on all of our herd teams. Yeah. Uh, number three, bit of a downer. Chuck McGill is finishing up his career at Marshall. His last day will be next week, November the 9th. Yeah, that, that's a bummer, man, because – Chuck's uh, one in a billion, you know, he wore a lot of hats for the herd and um, he did, he was instrumental in so many things, game day operations and just uh, media and behind the scenes type of stuff that I don't think too many people will fully understand or, or they realize what his role encompassed you know? Yeah. And, uh, it was massive. So filling, mm-hmm. filling those shoes, as I tweeted, is going to be a near impossibility. Um, not just from a professional standpoint, but he has real love for Marshall and Huntington. Yeah. And that's not something that you just go higher, you know, you yeah. kind of have that. So from a professional standpoint, you may go out and find a candidate that can fill the role professionally, but it's that uh, that herd family mentality, that thing that we all seem to have that's kind of ingrained in the fabric of what is us, that Kelly Green that's the thread that's in us already that Chuck also had. And that's the probably the hardest part to replace. And I would be remiss if I didn't say he's just been absolutely great to us and what we've been trying to do with this show. And, and um, you know, he's been quite helpful and providing uh you know just uh advice and information and we're gonna miss him from that standpoint but he's our friend i mean yeah you know chuck and i went we played little league together man i mean we go back you know so this is really uh not i don't even want to call it bittersweet because it'll be sweet for him because i know he'll find another role that he'll love and he'll just knock it out of the park he'll be great at it but it's more bitter because you know we had this marshall thread that kind of um, you know, allowed us to reconnect after a long time, you know, apart, as we all do. We all grow apart in, in life, and we were able to reconnect a little bit through Marshall. And uh, I will say this. It, he, he did say he's sticking around in Huntington, which is great. Is, I, I yeah. hope he does. But I will say this. The porches also are awesome to sit on down in Florida. So if you find yourself needing to come south, um, I got a couple of big universities around if you want to stay in the college game. But, um, you know, it, 
you know what I mean. The porches are still fun down here. There's still refreshments to be had and stories to be told. But if I've got to fly to Huntington to make those happen again, then I'll do that. Now, I've got a bone to pick with you, sir, because <laughs> there there is not a porch better than mine. And you are talking to the porch-sitting world champion. That's right. Okay, so uh, anyway, we'll move on because I don't want my ire to be raised any higher. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I guess the, the the last thing you got to say is we're also losing one of the coolest nicknames that we've created here by a total autocorrect accident. So Chuck Chill, we we miss you when we wish you the best. Yeah, huge loss for Marshall. Uh, you said it earlier. So many people just do not understand all that he did. I mean, this was not like a lot of people were under the miss. Uh, misconception that he just wrote an article on herd zone yeah. and and they're like well we haven't even heard him you know he's he's not been writing much well that's because he was doing so many other things you know he wasn't just writing on herd zone they did not hire him away to write an article every now and then this dude was the entire communications department and several people underneath him to get that stuff out and like you said he's been instrumental in quite a few things and he's he's going to be missed and it will be tough to fill those shoes sure will moving on to number four uh swimming and diving junior Paige banton competed in the 2022 fina world cup this weekend i was able to look up the results uh she was in the uh, uh 50 100 and 200 meter breaststroke and the 100 meter individual medley her highest finish, I believe, was in the 100-meter breaststroke. Uh, but she she did well in, in representing the herd, did not finish in the top eight or of any of those events, uh, didn't finish, obviously, high enough to medal or, or whatever. But just getting and performing in those is something to be proud of. Yeah. And, and also, when I was looking at the heats, I don't know how they grouped them or if it was random. But the heat she was in, uh, she finished like maybe seventh out of eight. But the like two heats before that, she would have beat that entire in the same field, mm -hmm. would have beat that entire group by two full seconds. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't know how that went. You know, I, I wasn't there. I, they didn't explain anything. Uh, I just saw how it was. Still, she she did the herd proud just by competing there. So, well, I think the the coolest part about that, other than just going to and competing in those type of events, is that we're now seeing a little bit more of Marshall being able to recruit those athletes that uh, are going to compete more so more than in just collegiate swimming or collegiate track. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. you want to be able to. I mean, how cool would it to be able to? to be able to say, you know, Marshall sends athletes to the Olympics all the time, right? Cause that's mm -hmm. the ultimate goal for most of these disciplines and most of these sports is you want to be an Olympian. I mean, I'm sure there are some sort of professional ranks in, in swimming, but by and large, I would think that you make your name most well-known in the Olympic games and, and, and those type of things, you know? So to be able to recruit those type of athletes that are, edging toward that caliber is just cool, man. That's, that's what you like to see. I mean, uh, I don't want to take anything away from any other program that we have because most folks, let's be honest, they're paying attention to football, basketball, and maybe a couple of other sports, right? And if we can 
put a spotlight on things like this, then it, maybe it makes folks pay attention to those sports a little bit more. Like, oh man, I had no idea we had, you know, swimmers that could compete at this level, or we had, you know, distance runners that could compete at this level. So that's part of what we do is letting people know, Hey, we've got athletes everywhere around the athletic department. Um, you know, listen to what's going on outside of Jonesy Edwards stadium or the Cam Henderson center. Cause there's some, there's some cool news to be learned there. Number five is men's soccer, and they are all but guaranteed to be back in the top five in the national rankings when they come out tomorrow. Uh, now, they play later after those rankings will come out tomorrow night, but when those rankings come out, uh, the number four team lost, so they should leapfrog, leapfrog them, uh, and I believe six and seven both lost. So we should be moving back up. Unless something crazy happens in uh, in the rankings, we should be top five. But the news that I want to talk about as well is that Marshall in their game tomorrow controls their own destiny as far as the conference championships goes. They are guaranteed to be in it already. However, if you finish with the top two, you host and you get a bye, it's very favorable to be in those top two positions. So let's talk briefly about what they have to do because every Herd fan definitely needs to know this. Mm-hmm. If they win, they're in meaning that not in the conference, they just no one will be able to pass them to be in the top two. Kentucky has the top seed pretty much uh, sewed up. Uh, They do play, um, but if we even tied them, we would lose the, I think we would lose the tiebreaker because they would be ranked higher than us Mm -hmm. is how it is. All right, so if uh, we draw, we would tie WVU, who is second right now because they have already finished their games. They are higher above us because they have no more games to play. However, we hold the tiebreaker over them. So we would get in at the number two seed, uh, Georgia state. If they lose, uh, or if we lose, we need them to lose. Uh, if we draw, they can only draw. We would still be a point ahead of them. If they win, and we don't win, they're going to jump us. Uh, They play Old Dominion. So if Old Dominion beats them, uh, they can jump us if we lose. So we really, really need to win. If we draw, we still have a chance, but we need basically those two teams to draw, or we need, um, probably we need uh, Georgia State to lose, would Mm -hmm. would be be favorable. Uh, But if again, we, we really, really need to win. And so that makes tomorrow's game a, a must see only for the buy aspect. Yeah. Uh, winning your end, just right. Go ahead and take care yeah. of your business. Marshall's fully capable of going out and beating anybody on this slate. We've seen that they've beaten top teams already. They are a top team. And, and you know that those guys all know what's at stake and they all know the scenarios and how they play out. So uh, this looks like a, let's go handle our business and not worry about what anybody else needs to do type scenario. And that's what I would expect from Chris Grassy and this group of fellows to go out and just try to handle their business in short fashion. And, uh, you know, Marshall's well known for being a very attacking offensive team. And I think if you put on a barrage like that, it, it it's oftentimes just too hard to overcome. 
So mm-hmm. um, if you if you get a good game from Simla and, and this Marshall offense just stays on the attack, you got to like their chances. How could you not like their chances? They're just too dang mm-hmm. on good most of the time. So and we'll di- we'll di- we'll discuss that game and who they play and what time that sort of thing. Okay. We'll take it around the herd later. Cool. But that wraps up our five things. And as always, brought to you by Ignite Link. Well, a ho-hum. I don't mean that in a bad way. Uh, five things. We, we're dealing with a big loss, not on the field, but in the athletic administration department. A couple of excellent bits of news with our performers on the uh, our runners and our coach. <laughs> Jeez, is he still? No, he finished about a week ago. It's only 12-hour run. Of course, he was done a long time ago. So anyway, that was um, a lot going on. We're getting into the nitty-gritty of conference championships uh, here real soon. So best of luck to those herd women's soccer too bad we can't talk about that because the game's yet to be played and we may miss it. You know what I mean? But we've got a football game to talk about. Uh, Coastal Carolina came into town for herd homecoming. And I really don't know how to categorize this one. I think we would all be in agreement that this is a this was a game that Marshall could have won many times over, um, but was unable to get the job done. 24 to 13 was your final score, dropping the herd to four and four. Now one and three in the Sun Belt Conference. I, there's not too many places that you have to point to to see where this went wrong. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it was the first quarter and penalties and red zone offense. That was it. I mean, it, it, that tells the story of this game. Marshall spots Coastal Carolina 21 points in the first quarter. Marshall ran eight plays in that first quarter. Quarter Coastal had 21 points. Uh, but after that, they only allowed a field goal for the remainder of the game, and that didn't come until about four-ish minutes into the fourth quarter. Uh, like I said, penalties just obliterated Marshall's chances. Red zone offense obliterated Marshall's chances. Uh, on the positive note, though, Russ, it isn't all bad. Positive note. How about that Cam Fancher in this downfield pass game that we have all been longing for this season? Mm-hmm. I think if you would have said to me and the majority of herd fans, hey, Cam Fancher is going to come into this game and he's going to outpass Grayson McCall, you'd go, no. Uh, but he did that it, quite convincingly. Now, the yardage, there was a big disparity in yardage, of course. Was, I think Cam went for 320, and McCall had just over 100, maybe somewhere around 150. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I don't think we saw a 300-yard passing day from Cam, but here it is. Uh, so, McCall, McCall had 121. Okay, that, I was thinking it was about 120. So what a unique offense though. I I really hadn't watched many coastal games. I didn't know that they ran like a spread option type offense. Boy, that's, that was difficult to defend. It really came in and, and, and punched the herd in the face real quick to the tune of, you know, three quick touchdowns, long touchdown drives, which we'll talk about here in a minute. And it was aided here and there by some penalties and some, and some 15 yarders that really didn't help at all. So before we get into indicators, stats, uh, you were there, of course. We did us our, we did ourselves a Thundercast Live, which was great. Got to talk to uh, your girls and uh, happy yeah. late, but uh, still cool birthday for Evelyn. That was uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, just cannot get enough of those girls. They are so heartwarming and so damn cute, and I love being able to spend any amount of time with them. They're just so cool. So thanks for bringing them on. 
about that real quick jed uh hit the record button and allowed them after we stopped to have their own little podcast and that's <laughs> what i i i tweeted and uh tagged you in uh was them doing their podcast and because one turned seven that day and my oldest is 11 they called it the Seven Eleven podcast <laughs> so uh, when when he uh sends that unedited to to us i'll uh i'll share that with you <laughs> that's pretty good this that the Seven Eleven podcast how creative are those girls uh, so what was the game like? I mean, you were there, you saw it firsthand. Uh, usually I know you like to go back and try to do a rewatch, but, um, you know, you saw it firsthand from the get-go. It's not too complex. It's easy to spot where this one went wrong. But uh, still, I didn't get to do a, re a rewatch because I don't think NFL Network has oh, that that's on right. there. It, is, uh, it was on NFL Network. That's yeah, right. I, I mean, maybe I'm overlooking it. Fans that are listening, please chime in because uh, I didn't get to go back and watch the Bowling Green game uh, when I wanted to. Uh, I had some specific things that I wanted to rewatch and look for here. Uh, especially some of the penalties and such, but I just could not uh, do that. I don't know where they have an on-demand section for college games on there, uh, but it was, uh, it was great weather. Mm -hmm. It was, uh, it was good seeing some old friends, a lot of uh, friends after we turned the cameras off uh, that you wished you would have been there for uh, some old, old uh, 1997 to 98 Ooh, people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, it was fun. And we go in and the sales just came right out of the winds, <laughs> you know, yep. with, uh, with, um, or took the wind out of the sails um, to, um, to see them come down and score immediately. And what I hated about it was McCall walked into the end zone and held the ball out in his left hand in a taunting fashion. And, it wasn't called, mm -hmm. you know, I, I feel like that they have gotten on people for doing that sort of thing to prevent fights and it wasn't called. And he, he was mouthing and some of their offensive line was mouthing. Then they come back after, you know, we don't do much. They come back and score on their second drive and it's 14 to nothing. And the stadium just kind of let out a, uh -huh. mm -hmm. and it just seemed like we didn't have a a stop for that attack. We knew it was coming, but it's hard to stop, right? We made all the adjustments necessary after they scored the third time. Uh, dominated that game after that point. They were not able to move the ball. They were not able to do anything at all. But coming from a 21 down, it's hard to come back from that with the problems that we have been facing on offense, even though we had a really good offensive day. I know a lot of people don't want to hear that. They want to complain about the, we didn't do this, we didn't do that. But because we were down 21 and had to come back, we threw more than we ran. That's why we didn't have the usual stats that we've come to see and expect from uh, Mr. Laburn. And that's why we had more downfield passing. But that just showed that we are capable of doing that downfield passing. And now we need to get in the end zone and we need to get our field goals We've got some stuff to work on, but it was not as bad as what people are going to make it out to be. Yeah, I feel like even if you just give up two scores instead of three in that first uh, quarter, you're thinking, all right, we're in it because they start battling yeah. back. You know, the herd battles sure. back. They put 13 unanswered up, and if that's a 14 to 13 game and you're right in it, 
you're you're not nearly as dejected. But giving up three mm-hmm. straight first downs, you're right. They got a little mouthy. It got a little chippy. And you could tell as that game went on, when they their the coastal offense was being stifled and couldn't get anything going, they got more chirpy. They got more mouthy. And and things started getting out of hand and it started getting a little heated. And it felt like this, you know, this this powder keg that was just ready to blow. And for I mean, fortunately, nothing really popped off in a big fashion, but it felt like it could have at any moment if it was one little late hit or something, just something to light that fuse. Uh, that was not something that I was prepared to see, but um, I can say that, you know, in dealing with some of our other conference mates, talking to some other folks, I can see where this uh, reputation comes from, for mm-hmm. from, from Coastal Carolina, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, it they're earning it, you know, and but you know they they're winning the game. They're winning a lot of games, and sometimes that comes along with it. You know, you win games, you're you're a little cocky. Uh, the confidence cocky line gets really thin, and you could go in either direction. So they earned their uh, reputation, and you know, if given the opportunity to uh, pay back the favors at some point in the future and put a lot of points up and put a lot of yards, I would think that Marshall would tend to do that just because of of that attitude and those type of plays. Now we, we fought back a little bit too. We had some ticky tack stuff. It's a matter. It was like first play, first defensive play, you know, we get a late hit out of bounds and you know, that type of thing. So it was just well, one of those weird games. I think they, they had a lot of pushing and shoving after the whistle mm-hmm. and pushing and shoving away from the play. Uh, they had, uh, I, I just, I am never that guy. Uh, to blame refs or you know you know what it is every time your team loses that you're that guy that goes on and says oh the ref screwed us I'm not that guy uh, I usually call out when refs do an amazing job you know and it's it's more often than we like to give them credit for because I couldn't do the job that they're doing I couldn't catch every little mistake mm-hmm. but we were mere inches and feet away from sacking McCall maybe five to six more times yeah. and what i saw from my seat and this is why i wanted to go back and watch the game was hold after hold after hold in the first half uh i don't know if you'll remember this uh two consecutive plays but porter almost sacked mccall and then he got away from him and porter ran him down and and sa- uh, didn't sack him but got him from behind for a, a gain by mccall on a on a keeper he was held was why he didn't get. And even after holding him, he broke loose and, and got the guy, but mm-hmm. he would have had a, a sack. No problem. The uh, second very next play is Cumberlander. The guy had his arm and elbow up. Like he was getting a rock bottom to, <laughs> to Cumberlander. Yeah. I mean, just had him all around the collar and holding and he Cumberland. Cumberlander still got the sack because from the other side Porter was just pressuring that much that he had to he had nowhere to go and that's mm-hmm. that's uh before the half when it was uh third and 31 I think mm-hmm. third and 30 something like that it was because of those two plays back to back so even though we were still doing well we were holding and it could have been much worse yeah. I mean we were getting held I should say yeah. and and that was not the only two times they seemed to be holding us all the time and then we were getting called for everything and I'm not saying that we weren't doing it I'm just saying we got called when we were doing it yeah we we made the mistakes we got called on them but I feel like their mistakes were overlooked a lot 
Well, they may have been, you know, it, it became apparent uh, one of those touchdowns. I don't know if it was the first one, but it was one. Um, it looked like Porter was held on that as well. As a matter of fact, when he got away, his shoulder pad and Jersey was flipped up and it was like, you, you guys didn't see that. It's like, yeah, but you know, it is what it is. We don't, we're not going to make excuses. We spotted them 21 points, whatever calls were or were not made is irrelevant, right? Cause those, mm-hmm. you could call a penalty on most every single play in a football game either. Sure. Could. You, you yeah. almost could. So uh, we got, you know, punched in the mouth real quick and, and got, behind the eight ball a little too much we tried to dig out of it but uh you know we left points off the board we we uh at one point i had tweeted that we left as many as few as three and as many as 18 and i think that was before the labor and touchdown got called back on a hold i think that tweet went out before that so we left somewhere you know upwards of 20 plus points off the board in that game and just you know you do the math adding 20 to 13 Adding 18 to 13, you know, that's a difference in the ball game right there. So these penalties were complete killers in this game. Uh, let's talk about the indicators, though. Total yardage, Marshall, 407 yards to Coastal Carolina's 271. And might I add, 191 of that 271 came in the first quarter. That's how dominant this defense was the latter three quarters of this game. Time of possession, though, Coastal Carolina plus 10 minutes. 35 minutes for Coastal, just 25 minutes for the Herd. uh, First downs were a push, 20 apiece. Turnovers, uh, the Herd had two, and Coastal had zero. Uh, That was rough. You know, we we get another fumble from Laburn. Uh, The big play, Corey Gamage gets the ball punched out, but Johnny on the spot to leak Keaton's right there to get the bounce and take it almost in for a touchdown. That was a weird, wild play. And later on in the game, uh, it kind of sort of happened to Talik. The ball goes through his hands and Gamage is right there to get it. And and bam, you know. Uh, so if you look at these numbers, I think it's the turnovers and the time of possession that really sticks out to you and goes, wow, 10 minutes plus 10 minutes. And you still only lose by 11 in a game where you left so many points off the board. There's a lot to be said for something like that, to weather in the storm for some for something like that. And of course, a lot of that's disparity from the first the first quarter. I mean, eight plays versus twenty one points is going to swing the time of possession in your favor big time. So, individual stats: Cam Fancher, nineteen of thirty six on the day, three hundred twenty yards, no touchdowns, also no interceptions, thirteen carries for minus three yards and one fumble. Of course, that takes into account the sacks. I believe he was sacked three times in the game. Uh, Kalen Laburn, 16 carries, just 16 carries. That's half of what we normally see out of Kalen. 59 yards, one touchdown, one fumble. Had another touchdown called back. We see the end to the consecutive 100-yard game streak at seven. And we see uh, him get dinged up potentially later in the game. They were looked like they were checking out the shoulder. He did return after that. So yeah. I don't know how serious that's going to be, but that is one to watch. For so, sure. so um, I didn't know this going into this, and I think, and I, I need to go back. I like to attribute everything, you know, to who I got it from. But I think Luke Creasy had tweeted that uh, he actually wears a shoulder brace he does. for every game, and uh, it was that shoulder. And I saw, I don't know if you saw when he was coming off, but the shoulder, the arm was like straight down he wasn't holding it up he wasn't holding it like this it was straight down in one of those did it get a stinger did it get 
actually knocked out a socket, that sort of thing. And uh, he did come back in, but he had to sit out. Uh, I mean, I think it was an entire series that he sat out. Um, of course, Ethan Payne came in and he he did very well in yeah. the times that he was in. But uh, definitely something that you want to watch for. But I think that he had the, the shoulder that's already maybe a little dinged up, uh, probably got popped, got a stinger, that sort of thing. I don't know if you can blame that for the uh, uh, fumble, but good possibility. I don't think so. I think it was more of a, it was torn out. The The ball was torn out, you know, uh, just ripped away from him. Uh, I'm just, you know, you've got to be concerned about Kalen Laburn and oh, sure, being yeah. at 100% or as close to 100% going into this Old Dominion game, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And yes, he does wear a shoulder harness, a brace uh, that's been there all season long and, you know, those sort of things protect against separations and, and you know, you want to yeah. keep things where they go. So, um, but still, the, the all the consecutive streaks ended this game. Uh, Marshall was just too far behind the eight ball to get their run game going. Like I said, uh, only, I think, 83 yards as a team, our lowest output of the season, of course. So a lot of that stuff contributes to, you know, us having to find a different way to stay competitive. And we did. It's just we weren't able to get those points on the board. Let's talk about a huge bust-out performance. Corey Gamage, eight catches for 187 yards. Of course, he did have a fumble, did not have a touchdown, but we did recover that fumble, so it was inconsequential. So consecutive 100-yard games for Corey Gamage now. Uh, Talik Keaton, a pretty decent day, three catches for 52 yards. We saw Talik go down with an injury as well. I hope that he is ultimately okay. He was just starting to find his groove the past couple of games with this new downfield passing emerging for the herd. Um, but it didn't look good and it didn't sound good. So I hope he is okay. Um, I don't know what to say about that. I don't want to speculate too much, but you know, it, it just didn't look good. So um, as a, Heard offensive unit, they did only go 4 of 15 on third down, three total fumbles, two of which were lost. Several, several costly penalties that either led to a turnover or took a touchdown off of the board. And the one thing that I have to say, I can see it both ways, but um, questionable call on a fourth and three when you're only down 11 points on the Coastal 19. You elect to go for it and you get stopped. A field goal brings that to an eight-point game and a one-score affair. Now you're still down 11 with the clock dwindling away. Very questionable call. I can see it both ways. I can see it both ways. Defensively, we can talk about that a little more maybe when we get into the coaching grade. Uh, defensively, okay. Eli Neal, 14 total tackles. Great day. Seven of those solo half tackle for loss and a pass defended. Micah Abraham, Emmanuel Bush, both with six total tackles. Abraham with two and a pa uh, two solo and a pass defended. Bush with one solo, one tackle for loss, and a quarterback hurry. Impact plays were minimal. Uh, only the two sacks that we talked about earlier, half a sack by Owen Porter and one and a half by Kobe Cumberlander. No other turnovers to be noted. Several 15-yard penalties aided in uh, Coastal Carolina extending drives and or working closer to the end zone. And the last note that I have on the defense is we saw Isaiah Norman go down with an injury as well. So we hope that he is ultimately okay, but that didn't look 
pretty either. So I hope that he is okay. We wish him a speedy recovery. Hopefully it was just one of those wild things. And hey, we find him back on the sideline this week. But, uh, you know, positive vibes to Talik and Isaiah Norman and Labor. And if he's dinged up a little bit and everybody else that's, you know, out there giving it all you got and coming up short, we know it sucks. But we're still here. We're still here with you special teams Reese Verhoff two of three on field goals he did have one blocked and an extra one of one on extra points John McConnell five punts for a 38.4 yard average along of 52 landing two inside the 20 uh Russ do you want to revisit your keys to victory in this one yeah all right so so I had let me get back here to them I had that we needed to disrupt McCall and force errors. Uh, we had nine QB hurries on him and two sacks. As I mentioned, the uh, the holding, I feel like we could have gotten at a very minimum one more sack, but at least two uh, on times that we were hurrying him, but we were held and they didn't call it. Uh, we disrupted him. He threw for 121 yards. The big thing is we didn't do it. We didn't force the errors. Mm -hmm. He was, he was throwing out of bounds or missing short or throwing intentionally long. So no one could intercept it. Uh, we did not get those interceptions that I felt like was such a big key to the game. So half, but you can't round up. We just didn't do it. We, we, we disrupted him. We didn't force the errors, so 0 for 1 on that. Yeah, my first key to victory was that the Herd had to win on first and second down, and I don't think they really did that. On defense, they did it for the final three quarters of the game. On offense, we really didn't do it very often, and that is um, indicated by having you know a 4 for 15 conversion rate on third down. If you if you win in first and second down, you're not getting 15 third down, you know, staring, staring at 15 needed third down conversions. So I'm going to ultimately give that a no, uh, even though for the most of, of the game, the defense did that. But <laughs> in the beginning, they didn't do it enough to keep the points off the board, and that's what sunk the herd you know, from that standpoint. What was uh, your number two? My number two was that uh, we needed to control the field position. I don't feel like we did that in the first quarter, Uh one of it was giving up the huge chunk plays via uh, uh, penalty. Mm -hmm. uh, but two, after that, we, we look, we kind of shut them down and everything. We did control that uh, field position, but it didn't matter. You know, we didn't capitalize when we went down the field and we didn't put points on the board. Uh, we kept them off, but the first three possessions, we didn't. So I have to say that number two was, uh, 0 for 2 right there. You know, you yeah. you didn't hit the first one, you didn't hit the second one. My number two key to victory was that the herd defensive line just had to cut loose again, and we see had to see a, you know, production line basically like we saw against James Madison, and we didn't see that. You know, we they got to McCall a little bit, uh, and they had several other opportunities to get to him, but he just kind of squirted out and got away, and you alluded to the fact that there were probably some holding calls that weren't called that would have aided in the success of the herd defensive line. So they did kind of cut loose. It just didn't show up in the stat line. So I'm giving them a half a point for that. I do think they did their job ultimately. And I, and once they settled in and, and figured out how to better defend this team, you could tell that they knew uh, how to attack this offense. Uh, they did basically keep Grayson McCall and Bryce Carpenter contained. 
you know, after that first quarter, there wasn't much going for those guys. So uh, I will give them a half a point for that. What was your third key to victory? Time of possession. Oh, that's a no. No, we totally did not do that. So, um, 10 minutes, 10 minutes, yeah. 10 10 minutes difference. Yeah. Um, we just were not, you know, we, we talked about tempo going into this and everything. And I, I would love to see how many plays by the time of possession. I don't have that in front of me right now, uh, to see if they played faster. It seemed like coastal did not play any faster than they normally did. Uh, but it seems like our tempo was really fast, really fast. And, um, we didn't come away with points on the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was not hurting our defense because the faster we played, the the better we were playing on defense against Coastal. Uh, maybe because their tempo was so slow. It gave us plenty of time to catch in between snaps. But um, time of possession, no. So that's 0 for 3 on my keys to victory. Yeah, and that's fair. You know, I bet if you go back and actually did the math on the final three quarters, it's probably going to be a 50-50 split of time of possession. That first quarter just blew it all out of the water. My number three key to victory was Laburn must have continued to eat, and he didn't. You know, we weren't uh, afforded the luxury of allowing him enough carries. You know, it's been very much the game for him this whole season is he nickel and dimes you until he finally – catches some daylight and busts a long run and then busts a second long run. So we we weren't able to get through that nickel and dime part of the game in order for him to get to, to bust out a big long one. Only 16 carries versus what we're normally seeing 30 or in the neighborhood of 30, sometimes over 30. So 56 yards and a touchdown and a fumble with a possible dinged shoulder. No, that is not uh, that was not what the recipe called for, unfortunately. What was your final key to victory for the herd? I only had those three. Oh, that's right. Okay, I had a fourth, and I said that the herd had to work the intermediate routes, and by golly, they did that, and it yeah. worked, and it worked great. And yep. So much so that uh, some of those intermediate plays turned into really long plays, and it opened up that long pass game as well. So that is a solid yes, but on the day, it's only one and a half out of four, and, well, Marshall gets the loss. Uh, let's move into some grades. Uh, what do you got for Cam Fancher making his second inf- – Second consecutive start and going over three bills in this game. I have to do a B plus and uh, I feel like uh, that might be a disservice to him. This was his second career start ever. He didn't have any meaningful snaps last year. Uh, So what he did at James Madison and here is really the, I mean, he's played this year in every game. I'm not trying to downplay what he's done up to this point, but, Basically, he came in and was given the starting nod last week against a recently ranked number 25 team on the road, and he did what we needed to do to to win. He improved dramatically uh, this week. I, I really don't see anything major that he did wrong, except for he's still trying to dial in. And again, let's remember, this is not just his second start ever. He is a freshman. Mm-hmm. How many freshmen across the country are firing on all cylinders? They can't be that many. And uh, he threw for over 300 yards. He hit the routes that he needed. Uh, he moved out of uh, the pocket when he needed to. He threw the ball away when he needed to. 
just not able to overcome some penalties. Uh, wasn't his fault. Um, had to overcome uh, some heat coming from the defense that the offensive line, you know, allowed a sack here or there. Uh, what did we say? Three times he was sacked? I think it was three in this game. Yeah. So, overall, maybe he deserves better than than what I gave him. But I I think a B-plus is really good, and he, he has allowed us to have the downfield passing that we've been asking for. So, great game by him. I have to comment uh, based on a lot of the things that I kept seeing in, during the game. You know, you're at the game. You're not following the social media feed. I am. And it seems like we just got far too many fans that are living snap by snap. And they're yeah. like, get him out. Get him out of here. He's not the yeah. answer. Man, what do you, you – I, I can't get behind that. It, it, these same folks would have booed Chad off the field as a freshman or booed Byron off the field as a new starter. It's like – well. Let me tell you, let me tell you what it reminded me of. And I am not comparing these two quarterbacks to say that they are. But do you remember after all world, all universe, Chad went to the NFL and we had Byron there Mm -hmm. and we lost a couple of the first handful of games that he played and he would be getting sacked and he didn't throw the ball away. And there were people. And now granted they were in the student section who may have had a little bit of uh liquid uh confusion going on uh but they were hollering get him out of here and would they be saying that about byron at the end of his career of course no now i'm not saying cam fancher's the next byron let's not mince words i'm not saying that he has a lot of opportunity to grow into the next cam fancher and he's got a good arm uh he's got the ability to to run when he needs to um Right now, it seems to be those finesse or accuracy issues, and that's going to come with more reps with the first team. It's going to come with more experience in the games. There's nothing really that you can say about that game is that we needed to get Cam Fancher out. Do we want to go back to throwing six passes behind the line of scrimmage and screen pass after screen pass because we're not comfortable throwing the ball downfield? I do not. No. Uh, because I remember what these same fans were saying there. And I feel like because the season is not where they wanted to be after Notre Dame uh, victory, that their expectations went up and that now it's every little thing if we're not having the game of our lives because a lot of these same people were complaining during the JMU game, which we won on the road, by the way. Yeah. In in pretty convincing fashion. It's just unfair, man. Like when does when does the kid get to develop? When does he nope. get to find his feet? When does he get to you know work on his craft? There's no substitute for live speed game action, other than live speed game action, and you're right. limited to that on Saturday, right? You get three hours of it during Saturday, and half of that time you're standing on the sideline watching your defense play. So at some point, you're going to have to take your lumps in order to be, you know, an efficient, effective quarterback long term. You think, you know, every upperclassman, junior, senior, that's a highly productive quarterback just came in as a freshman and was just gangbusters right out of the gate. Yeah. Most likely not. Yeah. But the even just the production that we saw versus James Madison and versus Coastal Carolina is vastly different. Cam has 
half as many yards against James Madison and two interceptions. And he comes into this game and throws for over 300 yards, no interceptions. He has a fumble late, but that's not really his fault. He was, he was, uh, had a defender blocked into his legs awkwardly, I might add. And the ball came out and we pick it up and try to return it or try to advance it. And it comes back out again. So, and then at the end of that play, we see cam not hobble, but he was he was no lightly, he was hobbling he was lightly coming off the field so he he was he was hobbling and uh, in fact he was hobbling so bad that one of the trainers uh, went to get under his right arm to help him off the field and he refused because he didn't want to but he was still hobbling very badly. I was almost expecting him not to be able to come back into the game. Yeah, uh, he did come back in, um, and he. I, it 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 was a very bad hit, and it was uh, to the knee or lower. Lower, and it was yeah. It, it was it almost was, like was getting bad. rolled up on, and I can't believe yeah. that that wasn't uh, some sort of, you know. I mean, if that were an if that were an NFL play, that would have been a flag, you know. Yeah, because they just don't well, like that, people rolling around the quarterback's legs. They don't like that. It. That that just goes uh, to some of the other things that I was talking about. I mean, they missed a uh, block in the back on uh, either a punt or a kick. I think it was a punt uh, where we had the guy way back near the end zone and our guy got blocked in the back. They didn't call that. Uh, it, it was holds blocks in the back and shoving. And I was just like, man, there's so many different 15 yard penalties here that they have just not called. That's why I was a little upset about it, and I'm never that guy, like I said. So here, here's where I think I am with it, okay? All right. If Cam Fancher is our quarterback, he's my guy. Yeah. If, if Henry Columbia's our quarterback, he's my guy. If Cade, Canning, Cade Cunningham's in the, in the game and he's my quarterback, he's my guy, right? Because that's the quarterback for my team, okay? I, I, don't need, I don't feel the need to pick a favorite or that's my guy, this guy to be playing. I feel like whoever's behind center, under center, that's my guy, right? And I'm willing to take the lumps from a redshirt freshman making his second start who went out and took care of the football and was productive through the air. I'm willing to take those lumps because a year from now when this team is better built, like from a roster standpoint, to compete more so in the Sun Belt and how the Sun Belt plays football, I'm I'm willing to take those lumps now. I think we'll be better for that next year, you know? Yeah. Uh, now, I'm not. am I happy being 4-4? Four and four? Of course not. Of course not. Right. But I'm not. Oh, we're not zero and eight, you know. And yeah. I I tweeted this at the end of the. I sat through 2016, didn't you? It was horrible. Mm-hmm. I sat yeah. through 2007, didn't you? It was horrible. Yeah. But still, we sat, yeah. and still we were hopeful, and still we watched, and we moaned and complained, like I said. But still, we were there, right? You can't just expect to win every single game. I mean, you can, but you're going to let yourself down. It just doesn't work that way. So we live in a different world now. Marshall's just not going to go out and recruit far better than their conference mates. This isn't, you know, the FCS where Marshall had a far superior team playing FCS opponents, and then they move up to a severely watered-down, terrible MAC conference, and they have superior players, and they just run roughshod through everybody, right? Ever since Marshall's been in the Conference USA, that's gone away. Like, way back in 2005, that it's not been that way. So yeah. you have to you, you have to understand it's just incredibly hard to compete. I mean, look at App. App State's been dominating ever since they moved up, and now they're seeing losses. You know, that's that's not new. There, that's not that's a new thing for them too. You know, James Madison's experienced losses. That, that's a new thing for them too. 
this conference, and it's not just the East going into this, we thought the East was going to be a gauntlet and it was going to be a bear, but the West is doing the same yeah. thing. This conference is playing very good football. We're not seeing blowouts. Marshall has not been blown out. Marshall has not blown out others when they beat them. Uh, and I'm talking about more than two touchdowns and everything. We've seen a lot of games come down to the wire or four to four to seven points mm -hmm. across the Sun Belt. We've seen low scoring, tough to score against these defenses type games. Um, do you think Coastal would have thought they had a good shot at not putting up more than three points in three quarters? Of course not. Us? I, I bet, I when, bet they, they would. when they had 21, they were thinking we're going to put 70 on these fools. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and uh, you've you've just got this across the Sun Belt. It's a very competitive league. Uh, a lot of fast, hard hitting defenses. Um, it it's uh, it's tough to score. And even though you know we have seen some high scorers in, it's it's almost like it's an anomaly. Or they have to you know, be out there slinging at 70 times to throw for 578 yards or whatever it was that Van Trees did. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it has to turn into one of these let's match score for score type deals. But, but no, I, the, the reason, and you almost said the exact words and I know what you're, you're saying. I'm not saying that you're not thinking this because we're on the same page is Columbia is not going to be here after four more games yeah. and, or, a. a bowl game or a conference championship game or whatever might shake out the way the rest of the season does, but we're guaranteed four more games and he's not going to be here after those. So I would rather stick with cam and let him develop just in case. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? We're not talking about going from eight and O and saying, well, let's put an experiment in here. Right. You know, uh, we've already had Columbia here and it was, apparent to me that we had some throwing down the field issues. I don't think that the coaches trusted him to do that, or he wasn't a fit for what we were trying to do to do that. And I feel like cam does it better. And we're seeing this out of a freshman who is going to be making some mistakes, but there weren't any mistakes except for that fumble. And like you said, I mean, what are you going to do when your ankle and when, shin is yeah, almost shattered? Yeah. When you're rolled you up know? on, what are you going to do? Yeah. You're going to let uh, the ball go to catch yourself. That's what you're going to yeah. do. It, it's, it's, uh, I mean, we talked about him for a while, but I, I have to give him a great grade. And, uh, I mean, other than putting more points on the board, yeah, you know, because he didn't have a touchdown he didn't really get to break loose any of these runs or anything. There's not much better he could have done. No, you've got to find the end zone when you're in the red zone. You have to do that. And this is an A performance. All I mean, it's a B plus anyway in a loss. So if Marshall yeah. gets the win, you're looking at an A performance. But, you know, the score is really all that matters in these games. Uh, offensively, what do you got for the herd? Let's kind of roll through these. We're getting we're getting long and we still got a game to preview. What do we got uh, for the offense? Overall, uh, a C. Um I feel like the running game just couldn't get going, and we've talked enough about the passing. Uh, but the main reason that the running game couldn't get going besides breaking long runs is because we were down 21 to nothing. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I'm going to add to that is the red zone offense was just terrible. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't know how many trips it was, four or five trips into the red zone. You come away with, you know, one touchdown and and uh, maybe just one field goal. The other one was from like 40. So, um got to be better in that area if you're better in that area you probably win the game defensively what do you got for the herd 
man, I got to go B minus, and it's all because of the the first quarter. Fair. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, it it was looking like a much lower grade. Let me tell you, yep. but uh, uh, B minus. Yeah, for, uh, for twelve light, minutes, light, it was an F. <laughs> yeah, lights out. They just they they were on their heels too much, and yeah. I feel like if the offense would have done more, they wouldn't have been on their heels as much yeah. in that first quarter. First drive aside, first drive aside. I feel like they had some pressure put on them because of those aforementioned red zone missed opportunities because even if you're tacking on three a time, each time you're down there, you're drawing ever closer and ever closer. And, you know, some of the pressure comes off of that defense to go out and get another stop, go out and get another, even though they did, even though they seemed to thrive under that type of pressure. Uh, Special teams, what do you got? D. We we can't keep having kicks being blocked. Um, I, I mean, and nothing else was stood out as spectacular. Um, I, I'm thinking I'm there was maybe a penalty too on on special teams. I don't know. I uh, I can't. I mean, there there may have been. There were a lot of penalties. Yeah, there we had eleven. Oh penalties. wait, didn't we have? Yeah, we. I think. Well, they got a roughing the kicker. We got one like yeah. extended our drive. But I was thinking yeah. that maybe we extended one of their drives on a penalty. I th- I'm thinking that it was, but it might have been on the defense and not the. Yeah, I don't. Recall. I, I don't know. Okay, coaching. What do you got? C minus. Um, I will. I have to say that I've seen a lot on social media about people talking about offensive play calling that sort of thing. I don't know what more you're looking for unless you're looking for like trick play after trick play after trick play like you know, the end of that uh, Boise State and Oklahoma bowl game from back in the day. Um, but we're throwing the ball downfield with a freshman quarterback, and it's working. Um, I, I'm not seeing what everybody else is seeing is that, oh, we're running, you know, straight up the middle three times and then punting. I'm not seeing that. You know, I'm seeing that we've got Kalen Labor, and I mean, what do you want to do out of this shotgun? Do you want to, like, do a, a student body right? Uh, sweep. I mean, it's it's not going to work out of the shotgun. Maybe you could say, let's scrap the shotgun and go more out of the pistol, or let's go out under center. But we had some of that during JMU. We've had the Wildcat a few different times with Charles Montgomery back there. Uh, we've been running a couple of jet sweeps. We've been running slants. We've been running uh, uh, ins and outs. We've, we've, we're not throwing 15 screen passes a game at the line of scrimmage. So I can't really fault what we're doing. The execution just might not have been there because we weren't as accurate as maybe we wanted to be. Um, As for the fourth down that you mentioned, you've got to take the points, but here's what I'm thinking that was going through the head. We're on their 19 and they can't move the ball worth squat. We take a shot at the end zone here because we need to, we need to, we need to, get six points to seven points or possibly eight points right here. And that'll give us plenty of time to go back and do it more. And if we fail, it was worth the risk because they can't move the ball on us. We're going to get it back near midfield. I think that's what they were doing was risk versus reward. Now, do I agree with it? No, in hindsight, I I say (laughs) you take the Because it didn't work, right? (laughs) Because it didn't work, you know? And I will say that, I think that they there was a really good case for that being pass interference uh, that Laburn was going to catch it. The guy 
had his hands right up on him. I mean, you know, but he, he did not turn his head to look at the ball. How many times did we see Chris Jackson and other people get called for that because mm-hmm. they said receiver didn't turn his head, that's pass interference. Yeah. I mean, the defensive back didn't turn and, his head. Well, that guy was a defensive end in coverage. Right. So that really magnifies the fact that you should have been looking for that because he doesn't generally drop into pass coverage, but still. Uh, on the broadcast, the announcers were like, oh, man, what great coverage. Look at that well-timed jump. He was, you know, looking at the eyes of Laburn, and what a great play. And I saw what you saw. You didn't – you were face guarding and didn't look for the ball at all. That's yeah. not defense. But still, uh, that play, I get it. I said I understand both sides of it. A, you take the field goal, you cut it to eight. B, you go for it because you're thinking, we might not get down this close with what's left in the game. Let's take our shot here. And if we get it, we get it. If we don't, you know, we don't. I think it's very much what you're saying, a risk and reward type scenario. You're playing it out. Man, can we get down here into the red zone again? You know, we might need a 45-yard touchdown pass if we take this field goal right now. So I get it. And also, we had a a kick blocked Mm -hmm. earlier, and that's not our only block kick of the year. That's That's our second, and we've had some misses. So I'm thinking, you know, like, Go for the touchdown now. Now, it didn't work. It's easy to armchair a quarterback or armchair a coach and say, we didn't do it. We should have taken the points. Yeah. But in the in the heat of the moment, I mean, you've got an opportunity to get them. So that's why I thought they were going for it. Yeah, I, I can see it. The only other thing I'm going to say is I think it's time to scrap the double pass. Okay, we tried to run it in two consecutive games, and it's been abysmal. But they tried to run it two different ways. Quick pass out to the wide receiver. This time it was to Laburn on a fake handoff type deal or in a handoff type deal. It was horrible. And they've been potentially catastrophic. It's lucky that they weren't catastrophic. So just get rid of that crap, man. Just just stop with the with the double pass. It's obviously not in our wheelhouse. It's not something that we do well. But outside of that, I, I find it hard to gripe about what you know how the defensive adjustments were made once the initial scores were made. That part sucks. But after they figured it out, they figured it out, you know. So yeah. um Again, folks on the social media talking about, you know, this isn't, he's not the guy. This isn't the guy. We got to make a change. Let me tell you what that says. You, you are a season and a half into uh, this current head coach's tenure, and you want to scrap the whole thing. What coach do you think you're going to attract to come here and coach when you say, look, we'll give you a solid year and a half? That's what you're going to get. If you don't have it fixed in a year and a half, we're going to look to make a change guys. This isn't Oklahoma. This isn't Texas and Alabama, you know, like it's going to take time to get your players, install your system, build your team the way it is for those teams that still Texas was bad for a decade. Yeah. With unlimited seeming unlimited resources and big hire after big hire and big recruiting class after big recruiting class. And they still couldn't get it right. And they just now are figuring it out to a degree. So as much as I want to be 11-0, 12-0 every year, as much as I want that, I realize that that's not the way this level of football is. It's just not that way. We have to build something. You're going to have to take your lumps. You're going to have to you know, lose some games that you should probably win. You're going to have to deal with the growing pains of players. And then hopefully once you get enough of that in place, then you start to get a continual machine of developing players and guys graduate and they transfer out and the guys that are coming back in, they're already ready to plug into your system. But first you got to build the system. 
Right. It, how many how many people would you say was saying we got to fire Huff on uh, September the tenth when we beat Notre Dame? None. They were worried people, that he was going to get hired away. Yeah. And that's what I saw is like, well, he's gone now and we're going to lose Huff. And it wasn't like, well, he's gone. Thank goodness. Nope. You know, yep. they were like, Hey, we've got our coach now. And I, I have to, I have to remind everybody there's this little thing that was a wrinkle, just a little tiny thing called our all American running back who was all world last year has not played a single snap because of injury late, late, late in the off season. Yeah. It was right it was right before like a week to two weeks maybe before the season that he got injured. And that drastically changed our offense because you can't tell me that Columbia and or Fancher would have had a worse time with Ali being in there because everyone likes to say, well, they want we're not going to be doing two back sets, which we we speculated we would see occasionally. You know, not all the time, but occasionally. But it's not even about that. It's about when you take Ali out that you put labor in. Yeah. You know, and and there is no rest for these defenses that we played. I feel like we at least are 10 points better per game in mm -hmm. average having Ali on the field. He's also, as everyone may or may not remember, very good at catching the ball out of the backfield. So you don't have uh, to worry about what are we going to do on the check downs? And I don't have anything to do instead of throwing it away or having to take the sack. You've got Ali right there that you can throw to. He's extremely dangerous in the open field and can take it to the house at any time. He is great at blocking. He is uh, not one to give the ball up. And he drastically changed this offense by being out. Yeah. And, if if we don't have the fumble at Bowling Green, pick one, one of the two, we win that game. Uh, we don't have the fumble and maybe a couple of uh, allowing them to go down the field on missed tackles or chunk chunk yardage. We win at Troy, who is a very good team, by the way. Uh, Bowling Green looks a whole lot better since those first two games that they played this year, where they weren't good. Since then, they've they've been a pretty good team. Uh, and again, it was just one quarter against them, the same as one quarter mm -hmm. against Coastal Carolina, who's a very good team. We are not too far away from being a uh, six and two team, you know, possibly even a seven and one team. And especially if you have Ali, things are going to look a lot different. That's out of the coach's hands. Yeah. You know, and, and I know that you you still have to coach and you can't just have excuses but I think you can have explanations, and that's a pretty daggone good one, yeah, that we are a drastically different team with two weeks to go in the uh, preseason, in the offseason, two weeks before the season starts. We have a catastrophic injury. Our best offensive player is gone. Yep, it is. And there was a lot of holes to fill, too. We've talked about, yeah. you know, we're seeing things. We've seen things over the course of the season, like, you know, the – ridiculously strong offensive line play that we have been accustomed to seeing for a decade took mm -hmm. a step back. You know, we finally lost enough pieces off of the line and had to replace enough pieces off of the line that it took a step back. However you want to slice it, it's not the same as it was last year. They're still good, but we're seeing those penalties pop up. We're seeing those holding calls pop up. We're seeing these things that are, 
you know, the double whammy. It's not just a, a holding call in the yardage. It's we hit the end zone on that hold call. And now that's coming off the board, you know, and Marshall's mm-hmm. just not built to overcome that play too many times. We're just not there right now. Uh, okay. Look, this, <clears throat> this episode is going to run a little long. So I think I mentioned, we're going to preview a game, but I think we'll just push that till later in the week since the game's not till Saturday anyway. Uh, so we'll do the recap today. We'll do around the herd. And then later in the week, we'll try to do the uh, recap with maybe a basketball breakdown kind of. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about your grades for the fans, those in attendance, uh, those that you've had contact with since the game has been over the whole homecoming deal. Well, I have to say at the start of the game, um, I was a little disappointed with only having near 25,000, but you're looking at 25 out of 30. That's not that bad, uh, but it's just not what we've been accustomed to in the past. But again, I feel like there's a lot of, uh, I'm not going to say fair weather fans, but a lot of fans that just won't be going to games if we're four and three going into, yeah, you know, so once they were there, um, you know, we cheered loud, we were on it and then the wind was taken out of the sails and second half. And especially in the fourth quarter, we had a bunch of people leaving. I myself, I'm not trying to sound like super fan, but I stayed till the very end because guys, we weren't down that much till the very, I mean, you know, we were, we were driving to, score and you know we had plenty of time on the clock and i was disappointed so i'm gonna have to say a um a d and for everyone online there's more f than there is a yeah there's a lot of hot takes being tossed out and and that's unfortunate but you know folks can say what they want to say they can every week i'm going to say it i'm not the fan please i'm not here to tell you how to be a fan i'm not either um that's what's good and bad about, you know, social media and fandom is you can do and say whatever the heck you want to say, no matter how good or how bad it is. And that, and that is the reason, though, that I can say what I'm going to say yep. is that we've got to be better as fans to uh, have a more neutral or medium reaction than these historic all-time highs and, you know, bring on the 85 Bears and we'll never lose another game because we beat Notre Dame. I mean, that's a lot of what we were getting is like, we're going to be in the access bowl and everything. You set, you're it, setting yourself up for disappointment when you do you, that. You are because there's nowhere else to go <laughs> higher than your expectations than unless we get into running the table and everybody going, you know what? Let's let them play Alabama in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, that, that generally doesn't happen. It happened for the first time last year ever that they let Cincinnati go in, you know, uh, who wasn't in the P5. But you've got the other end of the spectrum where because you lose a game that everyone ought to be fired, all the players ought to go to, uh, you know, D3 schools and we should scrap the program or start over. That's extreme on both ends. And it seems like that you get to see more of it because it's in print in the social media era. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that it was like that in uh, bar stools and talking uh, to each other on couches and uh, at tailgates and stuff in the past, but you're stating it now to where it can go viral and everyone can see it. And I just can't get on that train. Uh, I am more of the, 
I'm always upset when we lose. Yeah. I'm always disappointed when we lose because I love the team that much, but I don't go on there and say, I'll never, I'm done supporting this team. I've withdrawn my money uh, from the big green. I'm not uh, going to a game anymore. I just can't get behind that. Yeah. I, I'm and, and because they have the right to say that, I also have the right to say, you need to do better. And if anybody wants to at me, it's at Russ Living Good, R-U-S-L-I-V-I-N-G-O-O-D. I am the last person on the continent that will care. I promise you. <laughs> say say whatever you want. Just just be prepared for me not to take it. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know, man. I just find it to be uh, so much more rewarding to just um, be a fan that enjoys the herd you know i i used to let it ruin my week man i did i used to let it i didn't know you wouldn't want to be around me you know when we would lose it, i just carried it with me and then i was like man, what the hell am i doing this for like it's a it's a football game like i love this team but i'm not gonna let it ruin my week i'm not even gonna yeah. let it ruin my day you know like i'll be angry about it because i thought we let one slip away for a little while after the game and then i'm like it's cool man you know we got another you, game to look at look forward you to know it. You know what I did after the game? And it was like, by the time I had to get a good friend and coworker of mine to help me load the coolers, you know, how heavy those things yeah. are and my other equipment into the truck and everything. It took forever to even, you know, drive from where I had to park and all that because the kids came to the game with my wife and everything. But it was like 1130 or something when I got home. You know what I did? I went in and spent time with my daughter who had turned seven that day yeah. and my other two kids and everything. And I wasn't yelling or cussing and, and all, oh, you know, this team's horrible or anything. I was like, sure would have been better to have a win, but Hey, I'm home and let's go on to the next one. I think so many folks look at this as, you know, you were talking about if you're four and three or three and four, maybe you don't go to the game. And I think there's so many folks that look at that and go, well, I'm not going to go unless I think they're going to win, yeah. you know? And I'm like, well, that doesn't really play into my decision. I go because it's game day and I want to go. I want to go to the yeah. Jones C. Edwards Stadium. I want to see the Kelly Green and White. I want to see all the pageantry that goes along with a herd game day, the the energy and the and the and the, all of it. Like, that's what I like. That's why I go. And I get to cheer for my team. I get to watch those guys run out of the tunnel and into the smoke. I get to cheer for touchdowns and big hits and, you know, turnovers and all that stuff. I get to hear we are Marshall in the crowd and all that kind of stuff. And it almost gets to a point to where at the final score is just what, you know, like that's the end. Either we won or we didn't. And a win, me looking at the schedule going, I don't think we're going to win that game. I'm not going to go. You know, we could very easily win or lose against Appalachian State in a couple of weeks, but I'm planning on being there. I'm planning on from, coming, from nearly 900 miles away. 900 right. miles away. That's right. I'm I'm planning on coming from 900 miles away just to be there, so I can get around that energy and see the my people and see all that. You know, because I don't get that a, a, a loss or a win, it doesn't really sour the uh, the entire experience. I would love to come in and see a win but it doesn't stop me from wanting to come to the game. You know, final thing I'll say about the fans is my theory is uh, for a lot of them, not for every fan. And it's certainly not for me because I don't do this, but there are a lot of fans that trash talk other teams fans when they win mm -hmm. uh, because they feel that the team is an extension of them as their identity. 
And while I feel like this team is an extension of my identity, I don't go down to JMU and get on their board and blast their fans and say, we beat you because that doesn't elevate me. I don't do that because I get, I would get nothing out of that. Uh, but a lot of people do, they enjoy that trash talk. And I'm not saying that that's horrible. Okay. I'm not, I'm not downing that. That's just not my deal. Right. But I feel like people get so disappointed because at that point, they have been talking trash and now they know that all this trash is going to be talked on them. So they don't get to do the trash talking and they have to take the trash talking. <laughs> so it downs them, yeah. you know, much worse. Yeah. So that's why I don't do it. I'm just like, cause I've got friends and they know that I'm so passionate that, you know, they'll needle me about a loss or, you know, the schedule or something like that. And I'm just, I roll with it because yeah. that's what, that's what friends do, man. Yeah my friends anyway, you know who they are. Yeah. And, um, I just, I don't let it bother me as much because I enjoy watching it so much that I will never, ever let it go. I mean, when we were three and nine or three and eight, I don't remember if we played 12 games that year or not, like in 2007. Yeah. I think it was three and nine. And we consistently every week were in ESPN's bottom 10. Yeah. I went to every game yeah. and I watched every road game on TV. Yeah. And if there was a road game that was drivable and my schedule allowed it, I went to that game. Yeah. Because I, I went up to WVU, you know, I, I went there knowing that we probably don't have a chance cause we're down and they're up, you yeah. know? And I went there anyway and I got, a beer thrown at me. My friend got spit on a six year old girl came up and flipped me off while her dad thought that was the greatest thing of all time. And I went there because I wanted to see my herd play. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, be the, everybody can be the type of fan you want to be. Just be that fan, whatever, whatever floats your boat. Fine. But don't think you're making a difference by saying such and such needs fired. Such and such is terrible. This player, that, that player that you're not helping. And withdrawing money from the big green, we've talked about that's this That's definitely a lot. not helping. All that's doing is hurting softball, that's hurting soccer, that's hurting baseball, that's hurting everything else because all that money, unless you're giving the money directly to the quarterback club, all that money is dispersed to all of our athletes. And all of our athletes, if we're Marshall fans, deserve our support. That's right. All right, uh, real quick, offensive MVP for you. Corey Gamage. All right, yeah. Uh, yeah, really, really great breakout game. We're starting to see Corey really do some damage. Back, you remember? Yeah, go ahead. Back-to-back -back 100. I was just going to say back-to-back 100-yard -back games. So, I think well, was this the fourth or fifth now in his career. So, pretty yeah. killer effort. We we were talk, just talking about uh, that with DJ Hunter in episode 14 of this season about that was only his second uh, ever. So, now he's had three since that Troy game or Bowling Green game. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he's he's had three in the last five weeks or whatever it was, six weeks. Um, he was open quite a bit, and he runs good routes. He's got the size. He's obviously our favorite target, and I see that he and Fancher probably will do a lot of growing together over these next couple of weeks. Yep. Uh, defensive MVP this week, who you got? I'd say Eli Neal, man. He seemed to be like all over the place. Uh, I feel like we would have had a drastically different conversation with this uh, piece right here and maybe even the outcome of the game if uh, those uh, holding calls would have been called. But they weren't, and they didn't get the stats that they would have gotten. I'm talking about Porter and Cumberlander. 
So I've got to go to my man, Eli Neal. Yeah, Eli had a great game. He was all over the place, 14 total tackles, and he had a beautiful pass defect, uh, deflection there. Uh, kind of popped out of nowhere. He wasn't in the throwing lane, and uh, I'm pretty sure that's why the ball went in that direction, and he made a great play to get that one out of the air. So excellent pick. Who's your special teams guy this week? Probably McConnell. Uh, it, it wasn't a very good banner week all around for special teams. Nothing out of the ordinary, but McConnell did his job, I would say. Yeah, he did. Uh, fair fair job. I mean, like you said, five punts, but not all of them are in a position to send you inside the 20. Uh, I think one might have – there may have been one that didn't uh, quite live up to the hype as far as the average. It brought the average down quite a bit, but uh, – it, it went out of bounds, if I recall, yeah. and uh, it went out at one of those that it could have been – I think it was like maybe eight yards back, you know, than where from my angle it looked like it went out because I have a hor horrible angle versus if you're in the end zone and can see right where it went out. But, uh, yeah, other than that, I mean, he played a good game. Yeah, sure did. Still put two inside the 20 on five punts. Pretty decent average, but, hey, um, this is just one that got away from the herd. This one they should have had. And, um, you know, if they play this one again and Marshall strings together, you know, two or three more defensive drives like they were able to get or stifle two or three more coastal drives like this defense did over the final three quarters, I think Marshall wins this game, but unfortunately they didn't. And all you can do is go with uh, how the game ended up. And that brings Marshall to four and four, one and three in the Sunbelt Conference, down there at the bottom in the Sunbelt East, which is not something we all thought was going to happen at all. Uh, so we got an excellent opportunity against uh, Old Dominion and Norfolk coming up this weekend. We'll preview that game in a couple of days. But for now, Russ, let's take it around the herd. All right. Women's soccer, they battled back for a. Uh... Oh, no, no, no. I am on. The wrong thing. I had to go back and look at my uh, uh, notes on keys to the game, so I was on the wrong thing. Let's start off with men's basketball. There, there you go. go. They won the exhibition opener against University of Charleston, 92-66. to 66. Andy Taylor looked really good, had 29 points. Kenzie looked good. I think he had 20, maybe 21. Um, they play their second and final exhibition game this Wednesday, November the 2nd, against Pikeville. And their regular season opener is on uh, November the 7th, uh, hosting Queens. I think that's next Tuesday. Mm -hmm. So that's why we really want to get before this weekend hits, uh, get our uh, basketball preview. As KD mentioned, we'll probably try to do that and the ODU game at the same uh, same show later on this week. Yep, and remember, tickets to all Marshall home games will be given away by the Thundercast. Just keep your eyes out for the contest tweets. Real easy to enter. All you got to do is make sure you're following the Thundercast on Twitter. Also, Russ, uh, I cross post these contest tweets or contest announcements on Facebook. So just because you might be on Twitter and not Facebook or vice versa, you can still win. They're in both places. And winners will come from both places, not just one. So um, yeah. like the page on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, share the post on Facebook, like the post on Twitter. And that's about all it is. Uh, sometimes I'll put in that we want you to subscribe to the YouTube channel just because we're trying to drive some traffic over there. So please do that because uh, if you don't, you probably won't have a chance to win. But anyway, uh, most of the time it's pretty easy. Yeah, and the only thing I'll say about that is if you noticed, we've got uh, a lot of fans uh, tweeting out or, or posting Facebook photos of them at the games in our seats. Yep. So these are legit. We're not just saying this. You can talk to these fans. Uh, 
one in particular one uh one two different sports uh, yeah. back to back is pre- pretty good so enter keep entering you know these they're random drawings and uh you know if you want to go to some games for free we've got them to every ticketed event yeah let me mention that again before you move on all we really ask is if you do win and you do go to the game take a picture from our seats at the game and tag us in the tweet or post or something so that folks actually know that people are winning our tickets and are actually going to games this is just not a way to get free retweets likes and followers we're giving stuff away and we want people to go to the game so do us that small favor take the picture tag us so everybody can see Men's soccer, they shut out Wright State, won nothing on the road on Wednesday. Uh, they uh, have their final game of the regular season. That's tomorrow, Tuesday, or if this show's getting uploaded on Tuesday Probably. and you're listening, it'll be tonight. So um, make sure that you go to that game. Again, we'll have tickets. Watch that game if you're out of town or you cannot go. Uh, again, we really need to win this game to secure that second seed in our first year in the Sunbelt Conference. And the conference championships that we're talking about getting that seed for, they start this weekend. So we will have a lot more probably on this uh, preview show based on what this game does about where we will be ending up. Women's soccer. uh, We already mentioned that they made the uh, conference championships. Um, that again is tonight and we have, uh, their game that they lost. Their last game of the season was the old dominion. They lost two to one on Thursday that kind of put them into this situation, but again, they still made it and we hope them all the success tonight. So we can talk about that on the show that, Hey, they made a run in the, in the conference and they're still playing. That's what we hope to say. Swimming and diving, they have a meet on Friday at Bowling Green, and then on Saturday, uh, Bowling Green and Toledo. So they we will not have anything more to say about that by the time that we record the next episode, but hopefully the one after that will have the results and talk about how they did. Volleyball, man, it was just bad against Coastal this weekend. They beat us at football, and then here at volleyball, we lost uh, two sets to three, and then uh, three sets to nothing. And then they are moving on next to hosting James Madison on Friday and Saturday. If you're in town, remember there are no tickets to that. Just show up. It's a good time. And finally, we have tennis uh, on Friday. Doubles uh, victories to Gabrielle Clairot and Reiki Geller. Giller. And also doubles wins for Sophia Hurion and Johanna Strom. And then on Sunday, we finished out with singles victories. Uh, Emma Vander Hayden won her singles matches and Dorotasia Joksovich. I'm glad I'm getting to say all these now and not you. Yeah, I'm backing out uh, on this game. <laughs> but anyway, they both won uh, their singles uh, two sets to nothing. Cool. It's uh, lots of up and down, as you would expect in a week of, you know, athletic department-wide sports. Uh, There will be tickets. I mean, I don't know that, you know, there's a soccer game tomorrow. If this goes up early, there will probably already be a soccer contest ticket giveaway going on. Uh, So look for that. If you can go to the game, it'll still be posted. Just find it and whatever you got to do, like, whatever. Uh, But we're going to send somebody to the game and the final over the last – 
home game before the Sunbelt Conference Championship. We need everybody there. The herd has to have a win. And packing the vet is the best way to ensure that Marshall has all the support that it needs to get this job done. So, Russ, if you got any final words, let's have them. Otherwise, let's take us out of here. My final words are we get on the fans a little bit by saying let's do better. Uh, we get on the fans by saying let's not be to the extreme. Guys, we're all herd fans. I, I don't mean to call anybody out uh, just like – I'm sure I'm, I get called out at times and if feel free to call me out, but um, we're all in this together because we're herd fans and we do a better service to these athletes and to these teams that we are so passionate about. If we don't take losses so personally, and we just continue to move forward all as one herd family. And that's all we're trying to do here at the Thundercast. So Take offense if you want, but we're just trying to tell everybody we're not really being productive if uh, if we're calling people out and saying, you know, I'll never watch another game and I'll never do anything again. I know that we discussed that earlier, but my final thoughts are let's all just come together as one herd family. Yeah, the season is not over, right? We could still run the table in the remaining games that we have and come out with an 8-4 and four record and all of a sudden everything looks pretty do- pretty darn good. But even if we don't and we struggle down the stretch, which is also a decent possibility, we're playing four pretty tough teams to close out the season. And um, I will say, you know, Old Dominion will pose its own threats in an away game. uh, But coming back to the next home game, do whatever you got to do to get your mindset straight, get yourself right to show up and support the herd for 75 week, because that week, unlike any other week, is our week and uh, we want the place full. Uh, You shouldn't need a $13 ticket to want to come out to 75 week. You should want to come out to 75 week because that's who we are, right? We are Marshall for that very, very reason why we celebrate 75 week, get out there, support this team, make it that electric environment that we all long for because we all know that on 75 week, the herd plays to a different, level it's just we've seen it year in and year out something is just different it's just different and uh, we want everybody there I'm going to be there Uh, Russ is going to be there you know the Thundercast tailgate will be live and in full swing oh and as a matter of fact if you're interested in uh, potentially being a sponsor for one of the tailgates please uh, get a hold of us we uh, have three spots over there at the sea lot we've got plenty of room for you to uh, get your spread put out there and uh, you know, you got plenty of room for clients or whoever uh, to uh, come over and have a place to land and hang out and talk. We'll be doing a Thundercast live, all that kind of stuff uh, goes into that. So if you're thinking, yeah, this would be a good time to do that, reach out because we want to make it happen for you. It's going to be a great time. I'm looking forward to being back in Huntington, even though it is two weeks away, but still there's nothing like a herd game day. You know, for for all the folks that get to experience it every week, I am so vastly jealous because I don't get to do that anymore. I'm lucky to be able to do it once a year, and this year I'm doing it twice. So you guys are lucky. Uh, I am not so lucky in that capacity. Russ, take us out of here. All right. As always, whether you see us at the Joan, whether you see us at the Cam, whether you see us at the Dot, or whether you see us on Thundercast Live, sitting with the prettiest little seven-year-old that you've ever laid your eyes on. No matter where you see us, we're going to be saying, 
Go Herd. Go Herd. It's the Thundercast. We'll see you in a couple of days, potentially, with a Old Dominion preview. And we're going to try to deep dive a tad bit into the Herd basketball season. It's the Thundercast. Later.